Hey everyone, welcome to the Saxa Podcast, the first five years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi Rodriguez, coming live from the inside of my spare bedroom. Hey everyone, my name is Erica, coming at you from my office, actually my office, live and, and in person at the University of Florida. It's weird, Agassi, to see you now in your home and me back in, back in business, I guess. You're back in town. I mean, I've always been in town, nowhere else to go, but yes. Yes, I can see. I'm holding up. This is a good week. We are holding up. You know, the week is off to a good start. Uh, July is always that time of the month. I, I feel like the Sunday scaries apply to July scaries because August is when school starts. So it's like the July scaries are kicking in. It's like, okay, so we're like past the midway mark of the summer. So like, you know, we don't know what's really going to happen. So we're just taking it day by day here. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we're taking it month by month, but I get, or week by week. I don't know where. I like paid July rent and I was like, I haven't. It's April, but then they keep asking me to pay. So I'll keep paying, but good. Good to see that you are living your best life, friend. Or maybe you're just, maybe your decent life. The, oh, my decent life. My, my semi-decent kind of life out here <laughs> as I like, as I motion to my spare bedroom. <laughs> that no one can see. That no one can see, uh, but you can see, which is what's important. Yes. Um, well, welcome, folks, uh, once again for this week. Uh, you know, in celebration of one Hamilton being streamed on Disney Plus, woo woo, if you haven't watched it, check it out. Um, but in honor of Hamilton being released, this week's challenge word is helpless after one of my favorite songs in the Hamilton track list. Is it, is it helpless? Yes. You think you, you think you got that? You think you got it, Erica? Oh, yes. Ooh. You made me say diametrically. <laughs> The last time, so I feel good about helpless. Diametrically, it was tough. But think about how many listeners at home potentially learned a new fun word. I am I here to educate. Oh, wow. My name is Erica, and I came to educate. Yes. Boop. <laughs> Nailed it. So again, friends, the first five years, bringing you some fun, interesting topics for our new professionals, our people moving to mid-professionals, our undergrads interested in the field, or our grad students, and all of the above. And once again, we just hope to bring some timely information based off of the time of the year and providing a public voice for graduates and new professionals in student affairs. And I'm so excited for today's guest, Bianca Quinones. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. So Bianca was raised in Oregon and did her undergrad studies at Oregon State University, Go Beeves, where she double majored in human development and family sciences and apparel design. After a move to Texas and a couple of years in the workforce, she then attended Texas A&M University, whoop, uh, where she earned her Master's of Science in Higher Education Administration with an emphasis in student affairs admin and higher education. Currently, Bianca is the Program Director of Hispanic Latinx Affairs at the University of Florida, Go Gators. And she enjoys traveling, especially to places with delicious food and gorgeous beaches. She also loves and loves is an emphasis there, H-E-B and Whataburger, which if you don't know, are two Texas staples that she considers life-changing. And she's currently reading The Latinos of Asia, How Filipino Americans Break the Rules of Race by Dr. Anthony Christian Ocampo. Welcome, Bianca! Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you all today. We are thrilled. And it's, I, like, when I was reading the H-E-B and Whataburger stuff, your love transcends what I think some people say. Like, every time Bianca is somewhere in Texas or near an H-E-B, it is immediately on her Instagram. 
and it says Publix could never, which is my favorite. Truly. Well, and even, so one time I went to Publix and they, like, their customer service was not on point. And so as their customer service was not on point, I was like recording and I was like, you know, this would never happen at H-E-B. I remember that one. (laughs) Yes, I really love H-E-B. Every time I go to Texas, I just want to walk the aisles. And I'm like, I just need to go to H-E-B. I I'm, have only, go ahead, Axie. I was going to say, the, I, I have been to an H-E-B. It is quite an experience. I've only been once in San Antonio, though. So, you know, I, I don't think I, I got the full experience. But I do remember when H-E-B had the Selena uh, tote bags that they were selling. Uh-huh. I wanted those so bad, but it was like $12 for shipping for a $1 bag. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a price. <laughs> that's fair. I have both. And I remember, <laughs> no surprise. I remember for the second one, I lived down the street from an H-E-B and I was in San Marcos and um, I saw it on my Instagram because, you know, you wake up and you scroll Instagram and I was like, <gasps> so I like got up, put on my chanclas and drove to the H-E-B, got my bags and then went and got ready for work. She secured the bag, ladies and gentlemen. Literally. And literally. She secured the bag. Bags. She got both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you had to. See, I've never been to HEV, but Bucky's is a oh. life experience. Yeah. Imagine like um, a Bucky's, but in a grocery store. Is that what? I so Texas, we move in. Was let's what's go. The, what's the happy haps? Happy haps. <laughs> that, that definitely that goes into the same bucket as Chicky Chicky Sao I think those are direct offshoots of one another. Mm-hmm. You know, who am I? Well, Bianca, we're so happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. So a part of our networking arc, um, we really wanted to bring you on because you have done such a good job of not only building, but maintaining a network virtually and specifically, and I know you'll talk about this in a minute, your, um, oh, I'm blanking on it. You're like newsletter that you send that I have been on the other side of. Uh, So fun fact, actually, um, I met Bianca when she was our intern here at UF when she was still in grad school. And then we got her back as a full-time professional, which was like the dream. Um, (laughs) It was so, so wonderful. So I was, when Bianca was finishing grad school, was on the receiving end. And it's such a cool way to keep up with people. So we're excited to hear all about how you've done that and maintained relationships, um, which I think is so relevant now because um, we are all virtual. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So before we do that, though, my favorite question to ask everyone, Bianca, what is the best thing you ate this week? The best thing I ate this week? Oh, so I'm actually on a meal plan right now. Um, cause I went home to Oregon and I ate everything and I now can't say no pants all day. Um, I think so my colleague, he just made some soup. Like I think it's Korean with, um, like a soft tofu and it's spicy and like noodles. And it had a little bit of octopus. I don't know what it's called, but it was really good. So that's what I'm going to say was the best thing I ate this week so far. Oh, that sounds so good. Agassi probably would love that because everything about that sounds like you. Yeah, I, I am an avid soup lover. 
Um, although there have been some complications in my past, as you know, how exactly do you make soup? You know, and that was a burning philosophical question for a while. And for those of you who are not on this call, uh, our producer, Miles Surratt, who is on this call, is laughing very, very hard uh, because that was quite a running joke for a long time in the office that Agassiz did not know how to make soup. Um, and I want everyone to know right here and now, I do know how to make soup now. Um, I have I have seven questions for you. I'll ask them later, but it just, yeah, we'll, we'll chat offline, but I'm glad we'll, you know how to make soup now. We'll chat offline. I appreciate your support. I appreciate Always. your support. This was definitely a challenge and support moment. Uh, I will say that my office definitely offered a lot of challenge during that time, um, but now we're in a place of support, which I'm very thankful for. Good. Well, is soup going to be your answer? Yeah, growth. Soup is not going to be my answer. Um, actually, no, soup is not going to be my answer. Um, so what did we do? So I will say that the best thing I had to eat this week, uh, we went to my partner's family's house for just a, a nice family dinner, and he grilled up some steaks. And I don't typically buy red meats. I typically stick to turkey or chicken or variations of fowls. Um, but uh, that was probably the best thing I ate this week, again, because I never had steak. And plus, I wasn't paying, so I was like, hey, yes. Um, so that was definitely the best thing I ate this week. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, one, y'all made me hungry. Two, I think the best thing I ate this week, um, I've talked about the top before. It's my favorite restaurant in Gainesville. Um, and I typically get a burger there and it's so good. But um, about a week ago, week and a half, I had a root canal um, that went bad. <laughs> that, uh, so I wasn't able to eat really hard food. So a burger would have been tough. So I got their pesto gnocchi. And my favorite thing is that I can make it last for two meals and it reheats super well. So I had it twice and it just fills my whole heart and stomach with, with happiness. Um, but in a close second, as we're on the subject of soup, luckily my family lives only two hours from here. So when I was really um, in pain, my mom made me um, homemade chicken soup, which if you've never had like Cuban chicken soup, it is just a whole chicken. So I have to like use a knife to eat this soup, which is really a beautiful experience for me. And she made flan. And Ooh. flan is so, oh my gosh. Erica's mom's flan is dope. I've had it. Yes. The recipient, as a recipient of personalized flan deliveries from one Carmen Aguiar, mm -hmm. I can absolutely attest to the wonderful flan. Yeah, in undergrad, I would go home and my mom would be like, this flan's for Agassiz. Uh, oh yeah, hi. I also, she would what about me? the whole thing. Yeah, Bianca, honestly, she was like, are you going to see Bianca? Like, are you going to be able to give her a slice? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then it was so good. I ate the whole thing <laughs> over a few days, over a few days. So those are my, I wanted to share all the good things I ate um, and to share that mommy's food will never not hit the spot. And it truly is like heartwarming. So one of my friends, um, she's really sick right now. And she posted that her mom made her like, a chicken soup with little the little shells mm -hmm. and looking at her picture of the soup like made me feel warm i was like oh you can do that I love i'm it. sad that i don't have any flan or chicken soup left to share or to eat myself but um so thank you for sharing everyone hopefully this inspires some people to eat um but agassi my first question for you friend so one of my favorite memes that Agassiz has ever sent me, and this was probably when we were in grad school, was have you ever looked around for an adult and realized that you're the adult and you keep looking around for the adult to your adult? And I've just been thinking a lot about that. So Agassiz, 
when did you realize that you were the adult to your adult? Like, what is a, a poignant moment that you said, oh, I am, I am responsible? It's never an appropriate response, or you're looking for me to actually tell you a date and time, because there are multiple times in my life where I'm like, I am in no way, shape, or form set up to handle this situation right now. <laughs> Just it, like a moment where you were like, oh, I did that. I think a moment uh, where I was like, okay, I'm like kind of an adult now. Um, <laughs> is actually when uh, I re, this is going to sound so boring, but it's so adult. It's when I refinanced my car to get a cheaper interest rate. I was like, look yes. at me, look at me, securing this bag, looking good, getting this lower interest rate, paying less interest. Oh girl, look at me making my budgets and sticking to them. Um, I just signed up for uh, this program, this service called You Need a Budget. Um, which I've heard a lot of really great things about. Erica seems really excited. Um, and I'm now part of their support group on Facebook, um, which is also really great because people just talk about all the goals they've achieved, how they use it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my money right. I'm going to do all these things. But yes, um, I think definitely anything related to finances, because as we've talked about, I think growing up low income, uh, you know, finance was always, a, that was a little difficult and always felt out of our control. And now that I think I've reined in or had an opportunity to be better about finances and slash earn money, actually, uh, I definitely would say that it was around those moments. I love that. That was a perfect answer. 10 out of 10. E. Okay. So my question to Bianca, as we've already talked about, Bianca's a big H-E-B and Whataburger fan. So Bianca, I want you to tell me, what is your go-to order at Whataburger? Ooh, bet. So my go-to order is a number one, and I want the meal, and I want it with cheese, American cheese, and um, with grilled jalapeños, and depending on how I'm feeling, I'll either get a sweet tea or an unsweet tea, um, but if I'm feeling really special, I'll get a vanilla milkshake. So and, what, and what is the number one? What, like, what is it? Um, it's just like a burger, a one meat patty burger, and it comes with like, and with everything. So the lettuce, tomato, onion, um, mustard. Oh, and then also a side of creamy pepper sauce and mm. spicy ketchup. That is oh, what I wow. hear. Like their spicy ketchup is a game changer. Oh, that yeah. That sounds so good. I have some in my fridge. Like one of our colleagues here went in the fall and I didn't bring any with me when I moved here last July. And so when she went to Texas, I was like, hey, can you please bring me back from H-E-B some spicy ketchup? She's like, yeah, because they sell it in the store, right? You can just buy the bottle? Yeah, yeah. And the creamy pepper sauce too, but it's not the same. Hmm. The consistency is a little bit different when you buy it at the store. But that's my order. So food is one of my love languages. If anybody yes. would like to, you know, same. send it over. We'd love to see it. Ooh, what if H-E-B sponsored the podcast? <gasps> is this another call out for sponsors? Yeah, H-E-B or Whataburger. <laughs> that Please. list is getting real long. <laughs> Our list, and we, it, it really is. We've gotten no callbacks whatsoever. We're not in front of the right people yet. It's okay. That's Give it time. You're right. I actually <laughs> just Googled uh, spicy ketchup to remind myself to look up how to make spicy ketchup because that sounds <laughs> amazing. <laughs> sounds so, I love spicy food. What okay. also... I mean, just like FYI, one of my friends was telling me, so when you get the little spicy ketchup packets, they have a little number on it, 
and the number I think means like how tart the tomatoes were. So you can check like how tart you want your ketchup to be. But that might be a lie. I'll double check. No, I believe it. I fully believe it. That's like attention a, to detail. That's like an urban an urban myth. It's like, look at the number on the spicy ketchup and it'll tell you, you know, how tart your tomato was. That is interesting. Now I really want to know. I'll double check with my, uh, my sources. Your please, please then report back. We'll have to have please you on do. again. Just we'll, to bring hear you back. we'll bring you back because now our listeners want to know too. They're, they're invested. <laughs> okay, so now it's my turn. Um, and my question to Erika is, so I know that we're all about the drama, you know, sometimes just like it is scandal. So I want to know, what was your favorite novella when you were a kid and why? Ooh, okay. So there was one, and this is so random. I used to watch it with my abuela all the time. I don't remember the name of it. I know that she still watches it. Um, and I just remember one scene vividly and it was this woman and she woke up on the beach with this guy and she did not want to be with him and she ran away while he was sleeping. So I really should Google it. But I remember from that moment, I was so invested in what happened to this woman. But like, I, would, I wouldn't stay at my abuelas all the time. So I would come back and we'd be so forward to the story. And she would get frustrated at me asking what happened. And this was before Google. Like I was probably in second or third grade. So the other one that I really liked was that my mom used to watch, and it was in English. It's um, Passions. And I just remember the theme song was like, you are my passion for life. And I don't know what it was about, but I, like, loved it. So, you know, now you're going to pro- – you just, you just brought back a memory that I haven't thought about in probably 15 years. So I'm going to search for that one scene and see if I can figure out what novela it was. But and then watch the whole thing. And then watch the whole thing and just live. Because, like, I – I don't, I don't know that people always think about it, but I'm a chismosa. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not dramatic, but I love drama. Oh, it, yeah. I, okay, Agassi's making a face. I live my life theatrically. I'm very dramatic, but I'm not someone who's involved in drama. Yeah, but I think also like, so I have this theory that, um, you know, we're socialized through telenovelas and so as like latina girls so you know that like scandalousness like yes it's within us oh you're so right this is this is i mean my whole family all the women are so like we're so excited about everything yeah and people used to call me extra all the time but actually it's just who we are so i will never apologize for having energy i have somewhere in my office um, I don't know where it is. I have like a sign that says something to that extent. Or maybe, oh, I gave it to my mom. It's in Weba. And I just always think about our family with that. <laughs> well, and I think of you, uh, you would tell students, never let anybody dull your sparkle or something don't like that. Don't do it. That. Don't let anyone steal your sparkle. Sure, I've been saying that for years. That was almost a segment on the pod. Should have been. Should have been. Could have. We still have time. Okay, so Bianca, my question to you is we are back in the office. So since Bianca and I both work at UF, we're back in our offices on campus. What, when you were working at home, what was like your biggest distraction? Or like, what's the thing you miss the most about being able to work from home? That like, I know for me, I would always just want to be cooking. 
And I was like, oh, I should probably like do my job too, you know? But what, what was that thing for you? The same. So um, I would definitely take my time a lot more and have like square meals. So in the morning, I would have like my coffee and my breakfast because I would actually cook it. And then also for lunch, I'd be like, what am I going to make? And then start preparing whatever I needed. Um, I think that's what I miss the most because now I just like wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, what do I have? Can I put something together really quick? And then just kind of rush out the door. So either that or during the beginning of quarantine, um, when it wasn't humid yet, we have like a pool where I live. And so I would go outside and just like in the morning, sunshine, dewiness, with the birds chirping, I would read for a little bit. It was oh like professional God, development that. books. So um, I counted it as work. Yes. But I would sit out there just in the sunshine and read. That's beautiful. It was really wow. good. I've been having some like deep thoughts about quarantine, but we can probably discuss that later. <laughs> we will have to. <laughs> We're going to have to, yes. Okay, now I'm going to ask Agassiz, okay, Um, and I'm kind of going with the theme just because of, like, the job, but if you could live in any Latin American country, which one and why? Oh, that's a good one. I have thought about this. I have thought about this. I'm trying to... Hmm. Oh, that is a good one. I'm really, I'm really. Share your thoughts. I, I feel like there's there there. I want to be in different ones for different reasons. Um, I do. I don't know. I really love the idea of potentially living in Colombia. I've heard. A, I think it's there's a. I've heard a lot of really great things about the city, and I've heard a lot of really great things about the countryside and its beauty. And Colombian food is 100% absolutely delicious, as are most, if not all, the foods from Latin American countries. I, you know, it's um, once you get into the the into the weeds of the different flavors of the different countries, there's just so many great little things that each country does. But you can't go wrong with Colombian arepas. I love arepas. Um, I don't even care if they're Venezuelan or Colombian, if they're, the stuff is on top or tucked in, in between the, the, the material. Um, but man, I think I'd have to say Colombia. Uh, I, I think so. I, it's definitely one of the places I want to visit the most in Latin America. Um, and, you know, hopefully when restrictions are removed um, there. I've also heard a lot of really great things about Guatemala as a, as a country uh, and its beauty and its, and its history. So... I think that also be around there as well, um, but yes, I think I think Colombia would be the place. Thank you. A plus, Agassi. Boom! Now I'm hungry too. I've I have not had an arepa. I, I can't even tell you when's the last time I had an arepa. So let me not think about it because I might cry. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, my question, final question to Erica. Of course, once again, celebrating some Hamilton, but I want to know. Erica, what do you think is the most underrated song on the Hamilton track list? Oh, oh goodness. So I just want to tell everyone right now that it is Wednesday the 8th, 
and Hamilton premiered on Friday the 3rd, and I watched it four times, which feels a little low for me, actually, but I think that's really high for some people. So just, just so you know where my heart is at. The most underrated song. Oh my gosh. I think one of my favorite songs is The Battle of Yorktown because it's so much storyline happens. And I think people, like it pushes the story forward in so many ways. It's got some of my favorite like raps. And I think people, like when I first listened to the track or the album, I would have thought that that was the end of act one um, instead of nonstop. So I think it's one of those songs that does so much for the forward momentum of the story that we have to pay more attention to it. My, I, I was going to have an opinion on In the Heights, but I'll save that because I could go on a, a rant about how I think that's a better musical, but that's neither here nor there. Great question, Axie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a hot opinion, I know. <laughs> so hot off the presses, y'all. Um, so we are going to, oh, my screen just changed. So thanks everyone for participating in rapid fire questions. We are now going to transition into our conversation. Um, so of course, as Erica mentioned, uh, along with our arc uh, for the, the next few episodes, we have been talking about building and maintaining connections. So in this case, we're talking about building and maintaining those connections virtually. Um, so, you know, Bianca, just ask me very directly. Um, I know Erica's already kind of uh, brought it up already, but how did you get the idea for your newsletter? And, you know, what has been your experience in doing that? Because I, we, you know, we talked about that and Erica's like, oh, Bianca does this really cool thing. Like, what? I would, I never would have thought of that for like personal use. So if you could just talk a bit about how it came to be and how it's kind of evolved maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I had the opportunity to go to NASA and ACPA during my master's program. And um, one of my cousins, like first cousins, is in higher ed as well. So we always meet up at NASPA. And I remember one year he was like, yeah, I, for I didn't bring my business cards on purpose because I hate networking. And I was like, yeah, I don't really like networking either um, because it feels so transactional. But then also to me to reach out to somebody a year, two years, three years later, after I met them one time at one place, um, feels like I'm asking of something without me being able to give anything back. And um, that just feels ugly to me. It doesn't feel genuine. And one of my strengths is relater as well. And so just thinking about networking and like how do you keep in touch with people who have been a part of your network, who have seen you grow. So I remember I was kind of thinking about it. And then especially during the job search, I started thinking of like, I met all of these amazing people during my internship. I've met amazing people at the NASPAs, ACPAs. How do I stay connected, but then also um, express a need, right? To which at the time my need was that I was job searching and was looking for or somewhere to go after graduate school. But then I also wanted to be able to highlight um, different projects that I was working on or different experiences that I had during graduate school that also made me marketable. So I remember I kind of bounced the idea off of one of my femtors um, because I, especially my last year of graduate school, I was doing a lot. Um, I was like 
tutoring athletes. I had my assistantship. I had various practicums. I did a directed study. I was presenting at conferences. Um, and I wanted to kind of highlight that in more than just a resume. So I was like, what if I do a newsletter? And then I add all of these people who I've met in all of these different spaces. I also put it on my LinkedIn and kind of figure out um, how to kind of be able to do that. But then also now thinking back though, actually, when I talked to it, when I talked about it to my mentor, she was like, why don't you start before you actually do job search? Because then you're already building that connection and not asking right away. So um, I think my first one was after I did my internship here. And then uh, I was able to kind of highlight what I did that summer. Yeah, that's what I did. So then I kind of kept going from there. Um, that was the idea of just like staying connected in a way that's not um, that's not super like forced to where I can just kind of send something out. And if people are interested or want to ask questions or want to connect later, they can message me back. But then if they don't, they can either just like throw it away, put it in their, in their garbage bin. Um, and I won't know. And it, it doesn't take that much time for them to scan through. So something a little bit quick, a little bit easy. Um, yeah, that's kind of what, what I was going for when I created the newsletter. Well, my favorite part about it is it is a little more passive so people can read it and there's not a call to response. I think that's, you know, like I know that you've sent it to like vice presidents for student affairs and AVPs who have so much going on that it stays in their head, but there's no, I need to do something, but you're in their head. So when this job opened at UF, I can't tell you how many people were like Bianca, like immediately because even if they hadn't spoken to you in a while, they had that, you like you were here. And I was like, oh, she would be great. We remember her. These are all the additional projects she's done since she graduated. We should reach out. And I think that is so smart. And it's a way to, I think, like to stay connected. Um, because even like some people I'll send a direct message to. So most people, I just kind of like do the BCC kind of thing. Um, but if I saw somebody on my LinkedIn that got a promotion, then um, I'll send them a direct message along with the newsletter. So I'll be like, hey, so-and-so, congratulations. I saw that you just got promoted, blah, blah, blah. And like, here's my newsletter. I hope you're doing well. Um, so kind of a way to engage kind of how you said, Erica, in a very passive way. And then some people too, they will respond because I'll ask questions like, I hope you're doing well. How have you been doing in the pandemic or something like that? And some people will respond and then we'll chat a little bit through there. So um, it's a way to stay connected at people's different levels of connectedness, I feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you, you, you know, I think one of the, the reasons why the newsletter idea is just so good is, I mean, as Erica and you just obviously mentioned, it's the passive nature of it. But I think it's also just a, a way that you can be authentic and like showcase yourself because with the newsletter, it's not just like, oh, here's an email update about my life. It's like, look, I put some time and work into making this pretty and like here are pictures potentially and here's information. And, you know, so it's, it's almost like a complete product in a way because I, I would say one of the hardest things about staying connected is 
you know, how do you, you know, to your point, like, how do you do it authentically? Like I see, I have followers on Twitter um, or people that I follow on Twitter who will talk about their job postings. And I potentially may not have ever had a conversation with them in my life, but I will say like, oh my gosh, congratulations. So happy for you. And like, I think that's another way of like that passive, like, you know, I don't know if you, much of you, but here, here's a little, a little, a little good energy your way. Um, mm -hmm. Because so much of it is, you know, how do you, you know, the question is, how do you, how do you keep in contact with people? Because it's like, I, I feel like as a professional, I have two sides. One of which is very much, oh, of course I want to hear how everybody I care about is doing. I want to hear about you. Please let me know. And then there's this other side that's like, no, I think potentially just letting it, emailing someone telling them, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm doing. Seems weird. Like, I don't know. But it's like just like back and forth, tug and pull. It's kind of going back to the conversation we had a while ago about like mentorship and like, you know, how do you create a mentorship relationship? Like, how do you build that relationship? Um, but I just, I love the creativity behind being able to put a newsletter together because you, you get to make it what you want. Oh yeah. And I would add, um, like different backgrounds. So like my graduation one, um, because I had like a sarape stole, then I think it was like part sarape. Um, and I was, I've been kind of trying to brand it a little bit this year. I was doing it semesterly. Um, but this year, just got so busy that I, I need to send one out and I think I'm going to start doing it yearly. But then I've also noticed that I have so many highlights, um, which like truly hashtag blessed, right? Um, that I'll have to pick, you know, my most favorite. Um, but then I think that it's, I'll have to see, I'll have to see what my audience, if they're like, where have you been? Or, um, if to me, it just seems overwhelming to do it yearly because of so many things that are going on. Um, but I think I'm also interested with this next one that I send out to see how kind of my colleagues are doing, um, if they do reply and then learning a little bit about how their institutions are also dealing with this pandemic, right? Cause we don't learn about this in grad school. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't a case study. Yeah, right. a study. It's going to become a great one at ACPA NASPA is what we know. Oh right. yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just absolutely prepared for all the COVID-19 related uh, sessions that there will be at all these conferences over the next- oh, Interview answers, we're ready. How to tailor your resume. Oh, that'd be a good rapid fire question. What do you think is gonna be the straight, oh, you know, let me not. Yeah, save, save it, that. save it. I'll save The other thing that I was gonna say, Bianca, that I think is so great about this is selfishly, one of the, I think I've said this before, but when I write a letter of recommendation or I'm in particularly invested in a student, I always want to know what the outcome is. And I think this is also a way for you to keep people updated. So even if, again, you don't chat regularly, they get to know what you're doing. And, you know, for me, it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, I knew you had texted me when you got your other job. Like I, I knew those things before the, the newsletter came out, but for some people that's, oh my gosh, like this thing that we had talked about for years, you know, when you were an undergrad or whatever the case is, has now come to fruition. So as professionals, you know, undergrads and grad students who are listening, there are people who have been so invested in your success that they, they want to know this. They might be in a completely different field. They might not be someone who's going to ultimately get you another job or another project, mm -hmm. but we want to know what's going on with you. So I think that's, I don't know if that was your full intention per se, but it's a really, really good outcome that came from that. Oh yeah, and I've definitely had people who will message back and like, oh, you should meet so-and-so who is at University of Florida. 
um, let me connect you, right? Because you never know who's connected to who. And so um, through that, then I've been able to make other connections. And I mean, they always say, it's not about what you know, it's who you know, et cetera, et cetera, which I was always like, eh, I don't know about that. But now I think especially during this pandemic where a lot of either jobs or positions aren't being marketed fully, it's going to be about, okay, so who do I know within my network that can really help me or that might know somebody who is hiring, et cetera. So like grad students, I would say really check in with your network because um, they're going to be the most helpful right now. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's all part of the building relationships. Um, I think it's just a different approach, a newer approach. Well, in my case, it would be. And what are, you know, I think on the, I, I know we're talking a lot about the newsletter, but are, are you doing anything else that might be virtual or online in nature um, besides the newsletter to stay connected with folks? Yeah, so um, I didn't do this purposefully. I didn't create this pur purposefully to stay connected with my network, but that's kind of what it's turned into. Um, but I have kind of a professional Instagram where I, it's mostly used for my students to stay connected with my students and then just like update on events or programs, etc. But then um, I'll highlight different things that are happening professionally on there as well. So I'll have different people from even undergrad that I met or um, colleagues from graduate school, et cetera. And then they can kind of follow my professional journey, um, which I've been having kind of a conversation with myself about what does it mean to then have like a personal Instagram versus a professional and like, am I not the same person? Um, but I think just for now, that's kind of what's working for me. So that's another way I think to stay connected. But there are people who are more connected on Facebook or LinkedIn, et cetera, um, which I'll post my newsletters on there as well. So especially LinkedIn, um, I've kind of gotten away from Facebook, but definitely LinkedIn and people will like, like it and then share it and everything, even to their networks. And I think it's all about what makes sense for you, right? So if you are someone who is more engaged on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, there's not, I think the whole point of this whole arc in the conversation today is that there's not one way to do this stuff. But I think from the first gen perspective, which is high always at the forefront of my mind, it is so important for us as first gen graduates and first gen you know, student affairs professionals to understand how we can develop that social capital and how we can use that to continue to grow. Because we, like right now, you all are in that network for me. And I know that if something popped up at Clemson or, you know, anything, I could, I could come to you all and no, Agassiz giving me a face. I'm, I'm not looking for jobs. Like, I promise. <laughs> Every time it comes up, I have to let her know I'm not looking. I, I just always try to keep that in the front of my head is I know that some people feel like networking is really challenging. So you meet yourself where you're at, find the ways that it makes sense for you. You don't have to be an extrovert, but it is so crucial because you just never know what a connection is going to help you do and how you build that and be that person for someone else, right? Be that person who's a connector because we, we are only here because of the others who have helped us. That was kind of a, a first gen arc, but I had to throw it in with the networking. Yeah. 
Well, and also I think opportunities sometimes will show up that you didn't even expect, right? So like my previous institution, I was planning, I had come to a place where I was like, okay, I'm gonna be here for two or three years and I'm just gonna make it work and this is what's gonna happen. Um, but then this opportunity came up and I was like, okay, well, let me put my name in the pot, right? Because you don't, you don't know what's gonna happen. Um, and even now people ask me like, how long do you think you'll be at UF? And I'm like, well, if I make a plan, it might not work out. So I'm just kind of open to the universe and seeing what happens. Like I can make some plans and hope that they work out, but also be open to them not working out. I know in graduate school, um, there was a colleague um, and she said, you know, I'm just open to the universe. And I think she's been at A&M now for like 20 plus years in different roles that kind of came about that she never expected but it's just what ended up working out for her. So, I mean, we might come into higher ed or a position, et cetera, with a plan of how long I'm gonna be here, what's gonna happen, but then people might reach out with opportunities or somebody might see just the great work that you're doing. Um, they might listen to your podcast and need a news anchor. I don't know, <laughs> but things like that might come up and, um, Somebody else was like, you got to chase the bag. Listen. That's what we're doing. Sometimes you got to put your running shoes on. And you got to run after that bag. You do. You got to chase <laughs> oh, it down. The Selena H-E-B bag. <laughs> <laughs> Secured that bag. See, I was going to say, I'm not a runner. I get shin splints, but like a light trot might get me where I need to go. A light trot to the bag. Like everybody, a light it's trot. <laughs> But no, I think that that's so true. And I, and I think networking is a part of that. Not, you know, I think that that's a larger message that you're talking about though is this field we are learning more and more now is rapidly, every field, right? There's no one field that, you know, feels exact, that there's an exact plan, but we, we just don't know. And you have to be open to those opportunities. And that's, that's where networking can be helpful is people reaching out to you with stuff you didn't even know existed and people you know believing in your success and offering you things and all of the above but i think that's just a larger lesson we just you literally never know my mom used to say um, if you want to make god laugh tell him your plans oh my gosh i was just about to say that (laughs) cuban Cuban moms the same You really did scare me there, I guess, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm so sorry. Okay. I was literally waiting for you to die. I was like, yeah, that reminds me of a phrase in Spanish. Uh, ah. I don't, wait, how do you, como se dice in Spanish? I've never, I guess I could figure uh, it out. Uh, I think it's, uh, si quiere que Dios se ríe, dile, tu, dile de tus planes, is the way it is, is the way I've heard it. Um, it's been a long time, but I, I was literally on the tip of my tongue, Eric. I promise you, as soon That's as you were so done, funny. I was like, yeah, like, you know, um, and, you know, on that same note, I think about, you know, doing what is best for you and, you know, leaning into your own strengths. I think it's about understanding, you know, online, you know, online be a scary place, but you should use online spaces, whether it be through a newsletter, whether it be through social media, a website, a blog, whatever it is, to tell your story. And yeah. you get to control how that story is told in online spaces. Um, because I think there's, 
um, a lot of conversations about how the online world, social media can be scary because it's like, well, be careful what you post because, you know, you might get blacklisted from institutions um, or people might not hire you. But also there's a, the other side of that is like, but that's a space that you get to make your own and you get to say, here's what I believe in. Here's what I believe to be true. And here's who I am. Because I mean, again, going back to like, you know, like Twitter, like it's, you, there are so many people I follow on Twitter that I've never met in my life. And then when I finally meet them, I'm like, I feel like I know you because like I've been following you for a, a set amount of time. And like, now I know all, all these things about you because you've shared them with me or you shared them with your followers or the world. Um, and like, even going back to the newsletter, like your point about like, you get to pick what those highlights look like. Like you get to, and that's not to say that you're like trying to build, you know, you're not trying to position yourself in a certain way, but it's that like, you're like, here's who I am. Here's what I want you to know about me. Like, here's what I can do. Here's what I have done. And here's where I'm at. You know, if you have something come along the line, give me a call, call the little, uh, press that little subscribe button at the bottom. But you know, uh, <laughs> well, even like, um, you know, professional development funds kind of went by the wayside because the NASPAs got canceled, the ACPAs, or no, ACPA didn't get canceled, um, RFP. But, you know, um, if I would have been smarter and managed my time better, I would have sent out the newsletter early during quarantine and said, you know, these are some skills that I want to gain. Do you have any uh, either like classes or resources, et cetera, that you know of that I could participate in? Um, and so sometimes you never know who within your network either might know somebody or might be hosting a class themselves, et cetera, to then help you build on either areas that you're trying to work on. Um, cause you know, we don't believe in weaknesses in higher ed <laughs> areas of challenge. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, and really using then your time and even your budget, if that's part of, um, kind of your package to benefit you in the long run to, you know, we're continual learners, continual academics. I think it's part of the profession. So how do we make sure that we're still building our skills, um, kind of our toolbox per se, even once you're out of graduate school? So true. I think when we think about networking, it's not always about painting your perfect picture, but where where, where are gaps? Where are things that we need to improve upon? Being open to ask for help. We're not helpless. Hey, got it. But ah, I got I it. I get really excited when I get it in. But, but truly, saying I know all these things, but it, it's not as helpful as here are the areas that I really want to improve. And I have formed an authentic enough relationship with people that they would be willing to help. Because ultimately, we are a profession of helpers mm -hmm. who want to give back and want to help people get where they want to go. So I think that, I think a lot of people are probably going to steal that idea. Please remember to pay women of color. So you're going to use Bianca's um, idea, cite her. Thank you very much. We'll have, a, we'll have a chance for you to plug your social channels. Don't you worry. She's going to have to plug her Venmo or her really? cash app, or, you know, <laughs> if we ever going down that route, a PayPal, you know, if we're, if we're there. Trying to be um, legit. You know, and the other thing that I think the last thing I'll say about like this virtual connection and the online spaces, I think really think about the fact that if you are applying for a job, no, bar none, they're most likely going to look you up online. They're going to at least do a simple Google search. They're going to say, okay, well, who is this person? What do they even look like potentially? Um, even if, if they say it or they don't, that is something that's potentially going to happen. So like, what do you want them to see? You know, what do you want to, you know, if the person that pops up is, your Twitter and it's something that you have definitely just used as like a stream of consciousness where you just literally say everything and anything that's on your mind. 
that might be the image they're going to have. So like a good exercise is looking at your online spaces, like your profiles and thinking, you know, what do these things say about me? Do you, you know, I know Eric and I have talked a lot about our Twitter accounts and like, you know, so like we'll tweet each other. Uh, we'll, I'll message Eric. I'm like, do you think this tweet is a little too spicy? Um, she's my, it I call, never her, is. I call her my, good. thank you. I call her my social media counsel. Um, because I'll be like, what do you think of this tweet? Me? You know, there's so many things in my drafts that have never seen the light of day. Maybe one day I'll publish a book with them. But, you know, again, it's, uh, you have a chance to control your story. So what do you want that story to be? Um, and there's a lot of energy, let me tell y'all, when people look you up and they're like, oh my gosh, this person has a website. Oh my gosh, they have a blog. Oh my gosh, they, they like regularly upkeep this thing. Like, wow, like, I want to meet this person. I want to talk to them. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and you never know who might know who to where they might be getting my newsletter and they saw, oh, okay, Bianca interned at UF. I know that she was in the VPSA's office. Um, I know this person. Let me ask them about Bianca. And then they'll be able to say, oh, here's her newsletter. Like, this is what she's up to. This is what she's doing. Um, and it's a little bit more insight. But then, like you said, you're controlling that narrative of what is being shared. Yeah. Don't erase yourself from the narrative, folks. Oh, that's it. Another Hamilton reference. And on that, we've had 19 Hamilton references today. So <laughs> I think I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Bianca, thank you so much for joining so us. So much. Thanks for reaching was, out, y'all. Always. Um, so Bianca, where can they find you? If they want to find you on the socials or the Venmo. Yes. So um, my professional IG with, you know, the complete headshot. It's a, it's a good headshot. It's a good one. It is it, a good headshot. <laughs> Hola, Bianca Q. So should I spell that out? H no, you're good. Okay. And then, I mean, if you're feeling oh so generous and you really do want to hit the Venmo, which I've actually been using. Um, so I did like a whole educational story a couple weeks ago and people actually did pay me for it and I've been using it to support black artists, black authors, etc. Um, it's at bquinones16. There we go. Thanks, Bianca. And thanks again, everyone, for joining the first five years presented by Saxa.